Hello, Master. It's been a while. We are off on an adventure! This is good. When it gets strange like this, it's a good thing. For what it's worth, I've got a good feeling. Trust me, Hera. I'm excited. This is my excited face. Get ready to be impressed! You ready to be impressed, Tam? I'm completely ready. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 112 of Geeky Bubble, part of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. I am your host, Jonah Marie, and with me is the com link to my Niku, my mom, Maria. <laughs> Man, Niku is so... He's so uh, far out there. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, and so this, the new question of the week, mommy. So last time we asked you, what was your favorite color? Uh-huh. So now, what is your favorite food? Ooh, that's a tough one because I love eating. <laughs> but I will have to say my favorite, favorite food is alcapurrias de yuca. Now, for anybody who does not know Spanish... Yuca is a root vegetable. We grate it and we make this paste and we put seasoning and we stuff it with um, ground beef or meat, whatever meat we have. And we make these little flat rolls and then we fry them. I don't think I've had those. Have I? Yes, you. I used to make them oh, a long okay. time ago, but In they're a too much. Far, far away. Yes, they're too much work, <laughs> so I stopped doing them. But oh, okay. Yeah. No, you, I, you I, had them. I don't remember them all that well, but I do remember the name. Which uh. is why I say, how come you don't like pasteles? Because you used to eat the capurias. Because the pasteles are baked. They're like, not the, baked, but they're boiled. in the... Yeah. yeah boiled. <laughs> no, but you put them in the oven. Oh, those are empanadas. Oh. They're three different. Alcapurias, See, empanadas, just, and pasteles. Yeah, but the boiled, <laughs> the boiled part is just, yeah, it doesn't and, mix and well And the with people me. out there are going to be like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. did, they, did, did we lost the translator? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think my favorite food, I'm a very basic person. <laughs> I'm not going to go for anything fancy. I love pizza. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say potatoes. <laughs> Oh, I do love potatoes. Yes. <laughs> Mashed potatoes, french fries, baked, baked potatoes. potatoes. So, yeah. Any potato. Any potato, I'll take it. Yeah, okay, I'll go with potatoes. <laughs> potatoes is my favorite food. <laughs> Remember, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, oh, Eduardo. Eduardo. Yeah, from Foster's Home, home. Of, of Imaginary Friends. Yes. Yeah. Potatoes. He was a big fan of potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> and so please let us know what your favorite food is. <laughs> We'd really appreciate it. We'd love to get to know you guys too. So we'll be talking about The High Tower, which is an episode that I think by far the best episode of the series. <laughs> yeah, it, it had more action, more like yeah. uh, of the, the good stuff the we've good been stuff. wanting to get into. You know, it's funny that you use the words good stuff because... Uh, there's a new series of shorts and full episodes that will come later, but they focus on some of the characters 
that we've seen throughout the saga. It's also centered around one of the droids from Freemaker Adventures. His name is Roger. And what he calls the good stuff is 30-weight oil is what he drinks. (laughs) So he's like, the good stuff. (laughs) Uh, And that episode just, it premiered today as we're recording this. So I thought, yeah, that's a great connection there. And uh, it's written by Stephanie Folsom, which is pretty cool because we haven't seen a female writer for this show so far. So it's great to see that the episode we love most was written by a woman. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't know that. So I'm completely neutral. Yes. No bias whatsoever. (laughs) Yes, that's right. And I actually watched this episode last week when we recorded... (laughs) Yeah, you always do that (laughs) stuff to me. But I didn't say anything at all. I didn't let anyone know that I had watched it in advance. Today, though, I I put out a tweet about the next episode that's coming out. Because there's a a moment there that, like, really caught me off guard. And I went, holy crap, at work. Because it was during lunch. And I thought, oh, my God, this is amazing. And so... I deleted the tweet because I felt like Lucasfilm would like drop down on me or something <laughs> if they saw it or something. Not that I like it didn't give too much away. Just said I just said holy crap. <laughs> so I was kind of worried about it. But that that would have been good publicity. It would have. It would have yeah. enticed people to say, "Oh my God, what did made Jonah say that?" Exactly. That's what I told my friend. But then I said, "No, I'll just take it out." I, I'm I'm always worried. <laughs> You worry too much. (laughs) So we go into the episode and we discover that there are power outages. Yes. And remember when we used to have power power outages in our building? We used to have them all the time. Then there was that big major power outage in 2003. Was it 2003? Yeah. Okay. Because you were in Florida. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I was in New Zealand. Yep. And I was laughing at you guys from New Zealand. Yes. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, they lost power. It was the whole East Coast or something like that that had lost power. So it's it's something we can relate to. We've been there. <laughs> and then Niku contacts Kaz over the comm link. And I thought that was hilarious for him to oh be doing that. Oh, my God. Niku is uh, a case. He, he is a special case. <laughs> oh, man. He's, oh. he's so fantastic at how he approaches the situation from a different perspective. And he just innocently does it. He's yeah, not doing he, he, it. There's no malice whatsoever. He is the most honest person you will ever meet. Yeah. He will tell it to you like it is. And that's it. Yeah. And like it or not, this is it. I honestly don't think I would ask him questions like, oh, Niku, what do you think about this? Because I know he's going to give me an honest, honest answer. answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I might not be happy with what he told no. me. <laughs> That's what my motto is. Don't ask me if you don't want to hear the answer. Right. This is true. <laughs> I also love his laugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I was just like, I need to get this right for the podcast. Because I thought, oh, man, that's such a great laugh. And he goes, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got to do my Nico laugh impression. But I do it better once I hear it. <laughs> but, 
we don't really hear characters laugh often in Star Wars. But he's always laughing it's because a, it's a rarity. His, his, his outcome in life is so different from everybody else. I love him. He is my fave. <laughs> I know a lot of people are like, I want to protect him at all costs. And so we find that they're running low on fuel. And this surprised me because I, I was already set on the theory that... that there were a fueling platform. Platform, like yeah, they, they, okay, like mm-hmm. they were an oil rig. Yeah, so they have the oil, and that's what the the first order wants. And then when they introduced this, I thought I have to throw that article aside <laughs> <laughs> because the the theory just basically I had to toss it out the window because. They don't have fuel. And actually, yeah. the pirates have been raiding their their, their supplies. Yes. So the things that they're supposed to be getting aren't getting there. So now what, what we're left is with just a strategic point. Yeah. So it has to be that the Colossus or that the planet itself is a strategic point. Because the First Order is located in the unknown regions. So they need to create a path, I guess. Maybe they have a major hyperspace lane. And just like in Clone Wars, that the Separatists would go after a planet because they wanted to block a major route for the Republic. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Instead, it's being presented from the ground instead of from space, space where you really get the idea that there's a blockade going on here. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think that's what it is. Oh, who knows? Maybe I had to toss that theory, that theory out too, because <laughs> you never know. Maybe they're hearing us and they're saying, "No, we're gonna do something different oh, than what they, they're saying." I don't think they're that quick though when it comes to changing the story up. <laughs> you know, Marie, you have to let me live in my imagination. This is true. Yes, but someone else who has a theory is Anzi. <laughs> so they go yes. to Anzi's to get a few drinks. And I love that he he tells Anzi to put it on Tam's tab. That was such a jerk move. (laughs) (laughs) And so Anzi has her own theory. And the theory is that she thinks Captain Doza is working with the First Order. Yeah. By what they see, they already think that Doza is working with the First Order. You know, Anzi is actually a Star Wars fan because she has... Behind her, a shelf with all these helmets. Ah, And then she has a theory. Yeah, she is a A Star Star Wars Wars fan. Yeah. Yeah. She has a Star Wars-themed bar, essentially, because she has all these symbols from pilots and things that we've seen in the past. So, yeah, I think she is, in secret, a Star Wars fan. (laughs) (laughs) An in-universe Star Star Wars Wars fan. And then Tam asks, what would Doza get out of it? You know, what if he is in league with the First Order? What is he going to get out of this relationship? I mean, there's a few benefits to it. There's the, you scratch my back, I I scratch scratch yours. yours. You know, if something happens, you'll be there to back us up. I don't know how that relationship would work with the First Order. (laughs) To be honest, the whole thing I got from the whole episode is that Dosa is not an honest man. Dosa works and has dealings with the underworld. So I think he is in it for the money. 
you know, we see corruption everywhere. People who, who say they're going to work for the government or nonprofit organizations or whatever because they want to help. In reality, they're trying to get as much as they can for themselves, creating their own connections, making sure they're going up high and fast and reaping the rewards. And I think that's Doza. He, he really is trying to make it for himself. Mm. And his daughter. Yeah. So wherever the deal takes him, makes him more money without risking the position that he has. Because, of course, that's what helps him do these things. That's what he will go for. So if that's the case, why doesn't he align himself with the First Order? Ah, because the First Order is a different kind of crime. <laughs> syndicate okay, you know what so i'm he, saying he picks and chooses yes you what know, kind of crime you have to be commit. smart who you deal with that's true that's true because <laughs> if you're gonna deal with somebody who can take your head off that doesn't make you money <laughs> you know it's interesting because doza lives in an outer rim planet people who are in the outer rim and closer to wild space and in the unknown regions they know what's up with the first order like yeah. they understand what's going on yeah and so he knows who he will be, you know, getting in bed with if he says yes. Yeah. And it's a shame that mid-rim, inner-rim places are like, oh, yeah, they're they're not a threat. They're not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Because they're not seeing it. It's, it's out of sight, out of mind. And not only that, the farther away you are from so-called civilization, they're more susceptible to dominance by this powerful outsiders is so th the first order has been able to get their hands more outside the inner rim or whatever you want to call it rim, yeah. yeah outside they can be more who they are because there's less oversight yeah exactly yeah so, yeah even if people know that this is happening and they tell the New Republic, hey, this is happening. They, they, they won't they accept won't, it. They won't accept yeah, it Yeah, they truth. won't accept it. Yeah. Like, um, and we see it in today's uh, world, you know, like we hear from bad things that are happening in other places. And it's sort of like we don't have an idea of how grave the situation is because it's not here. It's not happening to us. It is something we hear and it's something out there, but we don't see the gravity of it because it's not in our backyard. Yeah. Do you honestly need to be hit in the head in order to know that it hurts? Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And then a little bit after this, they get introduced to Hype Phazon. Oh, Phazon. <laughs> Hype. Hype is a complicated man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. And I had expressed on Twitter that I thought he was a jerk to Tam. And he had all this time to be able to apologize to her. And it's interesting that people still love hype. And I'm like, but why do you guys still love hype? He's still a no. jerk. Okay, uh, <laughs> this is the thing. When you don't think you've done something wrong, why will you apologize? Oh, yes, this is a good point. So yeah. I do see the kind of jerky side of him because he's very presumptuous. He's like, you know, oh, I'm the big pilot here you know <laughs> but i don't think that he 
knows or understands and, and we don't really know the story yet completely you know completely but by the way and the converse uh, and the little things that tam says we know that something went wrong in that relationship something happened and it may not have been something good you know but if he doesn't see it as him being guilty of something why will he apologize like what is there for me to apologize for you yeah. know i guess he's that stereotypical guy who's like yeah. tell me what i did wrong so i can <laughs> yes <laughs> so yes i can yeah. apologize for so it, it. <laughs> it without exactly knowing or understanding yeah. what it is yeah And I actually like that hype didn't blow off Kaz for being quote unquote famous. You know how some celebrities yes. might blow off others, fans fan, yeah, because they're better, bigger yeah. than they what yeah. they are. So in that case, you know, he's talking to Kaz, who's essentially being a fanboy. Yeah, <laughs> in that moment, talking about specs of the ships and whatnot. And yeah, so we know that Hype and Tam used to be friends. And I thought that was such an interesting detail because it never really crossed my mind to think that the Aces, I don't know about everyone else in the Aces group, but for Hype, he was in the same situation that Tam is in. He used to work in the lower levels and he used to be, who knows, a mechanic or something like that. But it never really yeah, came he to my mind that that was a possibility. Yeah, but and he basically, you know, won his way up mm -hmm. the ladder by being the best. But that may have caused the friction. And one interesting comment that Tam made is that when he mentioned that he thought she was the one racing on the fireball, but then it turned out to be Cass, she said, which part, the part when it blew up and... Everything must be related to that. I think so. You know, so... Yeah. You know what would be messed up? That he sabotage. He sabotage. Yes. Yeah, I, when, you, yes. when you're talking about it, that, yes. that is what's playing in my mind. That he sabotage her ship. ship in order for him to win. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt that he's a fantastic pilot. pilot. Because he, since then, he's done a, a But obviously, Tam was as well. Oh, yeah. So, so what made her crash? You know, and she said she's very adamant, a firm believer in you don't need to have a tricked out ship in order to be a good pilot. And yeah, now I'm curious. Ooh, <laughs> I like that theory. Yeah. <laughs> and then he would have to apologize. Yes. Big but, time. Then, but then if he was doing it, thinking that he will make the ship be faster. Oh. And in turn made it blow up. Then in his mind, it's not his fault. Hmm. You know? Yeah. I thought sabotage as in ill intention to... Oh, no, no, no. Like, uh, it could be also. In that case, yes, he will he have, have to, to apologize. apologize. But like, it could also be that he tried to Ju pimp her, you <laughs> know, <laughs> pimp her ride. <laughs> pimp her ride. And he did it wrong. <laughs> that was a great use, mommy. <laughs> yeah, I've been wanting to say that for a while. <laughs> yeah, I pimped her right. Oh, wow. <laughs> And did you get at any point when they were interacting, did you feel that there might have been something more than just friendship? You know, I always have to go through that yeah. angle. <laughs> well, it could have. 
Because when she says that um, she wanted to race and she wanted to get to the high tower and that he wanted the same thing, usually people who want the same things tend to, uh, you know, gravitate to each other and certain romantic feelings may develop. develop. So who knows? But I cannot say from what little what we saw. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I got that feeling when she was looking at him in the bar. And then when he looked at her, she just turned away. Yes. In the way that girls do when they're being watched by somebody they like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kaz and Hype are talking and Kaz is just blabbering. <laughs> <laughs> so he mentions, well, why aren't you out there helping the ace pilots escorting the fuel shipment? And he says... Doza and I have an understanding. When it's them, I'll be here. So he has a thing against the First Order. Yes. He doesn't like having them around. And he doesn't like associating himself with them and working alongside them. I really want to know more about that. Is it something that he experienced when he was younger? Is that why he ended up on the Colossus? Or does he know someone who yeah. was attacked by the First Order? Or or the fact that the First Order resembles the Empire. The yeah. Empire wasn't nice to, to non-humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Bokeevil is a Keldor, but Bokeevil might have a different experience. So he doesn't care that he's working alongside the First Order. But for Hype, he might see, instead of the First Order, he might see the Empire. Yep. I love that this episode had more of that, you know, um, intrigue kind of thing and the spine and whatnot, whatever. But I want to see more about the individual people. Me too. I want to know more about them. You know, it's funny because we get little bits and pieces here, yeah. but then they end up raising more questions yes. than what they answer. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, you just gave me that morsel, but I need the whole cookie. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the cookie. <laughs> But yeah, I completely understand. Cookie. <laughs> and especially from the ace pilots. One yes. of the one of the comments I, I've seen is that we haven't seen the ace pilots much except for when they're when they actually have to do work or something. Yeah, we, we haven't it, they're supposed to have have races and we we haven't seen much many races, have yeah, we? That's true. And I get that because you don't yeah, want to exhaust It's them. just the fourth episode. Yeah, the fifth one. Fifth episode. Is it? Yeah. I think it was four. Well, four if you count the first two being one giant episode. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, That's one giant episode. (laughs) (laughs) I go by five because that's what the press site goes by. So this is the fifth episode. And I'm in the press site? Uh, I know. I... (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) And... You want to put that divide here, don't you? Yeah. Like, this is you yeah. and this is me. Technically, I live in Doza Tower. You live yeah, in the bottom. In the right? lower levels. levels. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you plebeian. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no, I don't think of myself that way. <laughs> if anything, I'm intimidated by all the other press people. Like, what the heck am I doing here? <laughs> and so I love that in order to get out of the bar and and find a way to the tower Kaz tells them that BB-8 needs to be charged Charged. and BB-8 just plays along with it like oh my god he was such a drama yeah a a freaking good actor Actor. like wow wow I thought it was so adorable 
terrible that he played along. Oh, it would have been even more hilarious. I don't know if he can do this, whether he can let his head go voluntarily. Because his head can detach from his oh, body. Oh, body. Okay. So, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it does. It does detach. At least in the, the little toy that I have. Oh. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't take that as a, as a speck. I, I'm pretty sure he... Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does because I remember the magnetic sound in Force Awakens. It's been a while since I saw the movie. But I remember the magnetic sound that it makes when he gets back together again. So yeah, I, if it's not something that actually happened then it's a head cannon <laughs> and and i really okay. like I, it would have been really cool if he just had let his head go <laughs> completely <laughs> and then the first order troops arrive and kaz wants to know why they're there of course he does he's not going to find this information on his own so niku Goes and does it for him as a as a gesture. Yeah, sure. yeah like a uh, gesture. I'm just gonna ask them what they're doing here, Cass, because you want to know. And he just goes to them and asks them, "What are you doing here?" My friend wants to know. Yeah, <laughs> that was so funny. Oh my god, Nico! And then then Cass. He's like, "Give me that." And he takes the com link <laughs> away because not only does he ask, "Why are they there?" And when he gets told that he's not authorized, he also has to contact Kaz while Kaz is only <laughs> 10 feet away <laughs> to tell him, we're not authorized to be here. <laughs> he is too much. <laughs> yeah. And then Kaz and Tam have a little conversation about hype and this is where she just lays it all down in terms of who hype is to her and how how he essentially just hurt her she's talking about him and Kaz is like stop stop talking stop 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 <laughs> you know kill it kill yeah. it stop <laughs> and i love that i you know that's such a common thing to see you know you're you're talking about someone and that someone, someone happened, happened to be in the back to be behind you just you know acknowledge the person that is coming hey hype hype how are you that that will make her stop that's true too yeah <laughs> but no and this is where they get invited yes to they the get pretty invited. place yes Although this place really didn't have much going for it. It was just shiny and polished up and, and polished up. It felt more like a hospital wing. It has servants. You just sit down, they bring you the food, and it had they have good food. Cause Cass stopped oh. his face. <laughs> And I had to write, I wrote down in my notes, does he not know the lifestyle of being a... a- yeah, I remember he's <laughs> been there for a few weeks or whatever now, you know, and he has no money. That's true. So, so he's probably starving because, uh, what's her name, the the bartender? Um, three waters, will it be three, three waters? waters? <laughs> you know, I am you know, that person when I go to a restaurant, I'm like, no, just water will do <laughs> like i don't want to pay extra for something that i know i shouldn't be drinking anyway like soda or juice just give me water <laughs> bottled water please <laughs> and then he sees while he's eating he sees the first order approach yes and he takes the opportunity of tam and hype talking to be able to sneak, sneak away. away and he's doing, doing it, the tippy tiptoeing walk sneaking walk again and the first time i completely missed him i didn't even see him from the corner of my <laughs> eye moving when tam said where's kaz i was like where's kaz <laughs> <laughs> like i didn't see him 
that all. I had to rewind and go back. And then that's when I saw him creeping in the back. <laughs> and then Kaz sees the First Order move in to talk with Doza. And he doesn't have a way of getting in, but he thinks quick. You know, he's he's yeah. smart. He He's very smart on, on his, you know, he reacts pretty quickly and well. And we see this later on in the pursuit where he is jumping and he's really, you know, reacting. But I wish he starts using that brain of his not to get on those situations. Because, man, does he get into quite tough ones you know the whole idea of putting the transmitter the the um, the com link. the com link in it with with the um server bot great perfect but remember it's gonna make noise when it gets close to it lower your volume yeah he gets really easily distracted yes so he, yes and he's absent-minded yes so he doesn't pay attention and fully focus on the task yeah and then on top of it when it goes wrong, he panics. Yes. He freaks out. I like that because that's usually what happens to a lot of people. They just freak out when something bad happens. Yes. Uh, it kind of reminds me of whenever I think of a situation that really just goes to hell <laughs> is uh, Lucy and oh, Ethel. Lucy with, and with Ethel. The, the iconic uh, conveyor belt with, with the, the caramels. Yeah. yeah. And, and whatever it was. And it's just, you know, it starts off fine. And then all of a sudden, things just start unraveling and it goes, everything's just moving so fast that you panic and you're trying yeah. to fix and it. You don't know what to do where to put the chocolate so you put it in your mouth you put it in your bra you put it everywhere <laughs> that was such an iconic uh, scene uh, but imagine see. imagine kaz and niku working the conveyor belt oh. with the chocolate kaz would be freaking out and niku would just be handling it very one by one <laughs> laughing it off yeah <laughs> like he, he'd just be doing it you know, the best he can. Isn't this fun, yes. Cass? <laughs> I want someone to draw that now. <laughs> and so Von Rigg and those are talking and he tells him that they're very vulnerable without their fuel and the pirates keep attacking and he's offering their aid. So it's very, like I had mentioned last time, Count Dooku of them to sweep in and try to offer assistance. And this is the point where we know the assumptions people are making are not true, are not reality yet. That's true. Everybody's already thinking those are missing bear with the first, first order. order but the truth is that he's not he's being pressured right into and, getting in bed and he says you realize i could report this coercion attempt and it's an interesting choice of words coercion, coercion. attempt to the new republic and then von reg counters that by saying and we in turn could report your numerous dealings with the criminal underworld all of which violate new republic trade sanctions hence what i mentioned that he's just trying to boost his personal fortune by making deals that are not completely legal. And it's I can you know? see that because it's unfair to have Doza Tower be what it is and then the rest of the Colossus be what it is, where it's just there's not enough resources going around. So it's it's unfair to use the Colossus as a way to up yourself in society or whatever and and then leave the rest of the people to rot where they live and where they work. 
And it's society today. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the society led by economical status. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the comlinks situation that you brought up happens and he freaks out. And he starts running because that's the only thing he can think of. He's like, I gotta get out of here. But I love that the in the motion of him running, the animation makes him very noodly. Yeah. So he's such a, my friend called him a noodle boy. He's such a noodle boy where his arms are just like flabbing. Yes. <laughs> And I just thought that was hilarious. And he's just screaming everywhere. <laughs> calling for BBA yeah, to come and help him get him out of trouble. My friend Rebecca, who we know on Twitter, Rebecca pointed out that he does, he runs in zigzags. Yes. So oftentimes in shows or movies, whatever, people are running in a straight line. Whenever I watch something where someone's running in a straight line, I always yell at the TV and I say, zigzag, zigzag. (laughs) (laughs) He has no place to go other than into Tora's room. And I love what you mentioned while watching the episode. You said that she's full of herself. Yeah, yeah, she pretty little thing is full of herself. Like, uh, really, you just assume that because the boy came in is because he's into you. Come on, girl. (laughs) You're good, but you may not be that good. She's 15 years old. Yeah. She's she's a youngin. (laughs) Yeah. And I found it very interesting that they chose that age for her. Um, Hype says she's a prodigy. That's true. Yeah. So usually prodigies are young, more younger than usual, normal within whatever profession or skill they're talking about. So they're all obviously in their 20s, early 20s, late 20s. So if she's a prodigy, she's probably much much younger than they are. And actually, I I, I take back what I said. It's not that weird because Ezra was 14. Yeah. Sabine was 16. Uh, What's her face? Ahsoka. (laughs) I can't believe I said that. What's her face, (laughs) Fiona? What's her face? What's her pretty face? (laughs) Yes, Ahsoka is gorgeous. But yes, Ahsoka was also 14 and much younger. So yeah, I, I, I don't know why I thought that. I guess for shipping reasons, I thought, yeah, people yeah, are gonna because, try to. Yeah, you always try to chips. Yeah, yeah. Even I thought, oh, they would look like a nice ship if, if you know, the friendship thing no, um, can develop into something more. But she's she's just too young, and um, but it explains why she is so like. Okay, so yeah. you're here only because you like me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, come on, girl. <laughs> yeah, she's me, me, me. So yeah, mentality that age. I love her room. Yes. And I thought it was awesome that she had a Sabine poster, a Sabine Starbird poster hanging up on her wall. I freaked out when I first saw that. And I like tweeted it out in caps because it was that amazing. And now I'm curious as to where Sabine is. Actually, I was thinking earlier during our conversation when we were talking about outer rim and mid rim and inner rim, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about Lothal. I was like, oh man, I wonder what Lothal's condition is like at this point in time. Well, what's happened? <laughs> like, how, how much has it grown? And and um, now I'm curious whether Ezra's there. Where's Ezra? <laughs> I know. I, I just, just want to know where know. Ezra is, man. <laughs> I have I have a big bone to pick with Mr. Filoni because <laughs> yeah. this is torture. It's really stressful. I'm I'm. Uh. <laughs> 
I like I gotta know. <laughs> like I promise I won't tell anyone. <laughs> I just I just need to know <laughs> for my own sanity. But yes, I love her room and I want all of her stuffed animals. It actually made me consider maybe I should go into the uh, plush toy industry. <laughs> maybe I should create my own plush toys. Partner up with Lucasfilm, they'll give me a license. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I can make all the cute little stuffed creatures. I also like her reaction. She's like, what are you doing here? My ma- my dad's going to kill you yeah. for being in here. And then she just like takes him through the window. You almost pushed him to his death. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then she tells the troopers, he went that way. I- <laughs> really? He saw that they saw really? him go in there. <laughs> And then Anzi happens to see what's going on. Well, actually, Nico Nico points points, points out to Tam that he's there. No, he's there because, of course, it's Nico saying something. So you don't know what he's talking about until they realize what it is. And there is a cast in the ledge of the, the side of the tower trying to escape. Yeah, and Anzi decides to make a betting pool out of yes. it. Yes, like, twenty credits. He falls. She doesn't. Even, she, she goes straight for the. He's gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm betting money on this. And then just everybody got into it. The reaction, and once again, the reaction that I love the most was Nico. He has such a like. He was in a party or something. Yeah, he was so into it. He's like, I am invested in what's going on outside this window. And then you see the comparison between Tam and Nico. Tam is worried and you see the worry on her face because he's he's falling. He's, he's, you know, at risk or something. And then you pan to Nico and he's like, (laughs) so excited and happy. It's so funny because when they initially released some of those clips as part of trailers and promotional things, I thought it was a race they were they were watching. And, And when and when Nico goes, and he's still alive. I thought, oh man, and he must have like crashed into something and, and is somehow still in the air. No, the entire time they were just watching him try to survive. On the ledge. On the ledge. Again, I really love Christopher Sean's freaking out voice. Like he does such a fantastic job. I can only imagine what he looks like in the booth when he's recording. Yeah. <laughs> because he's so into it and it sounds so genuine because I know people. My brother is one of those people. When he gets freaked out by something, he screams and that's what he sounds like. <laughs> and, and very reactive. Yeah. 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 And Lucky for Kaz, he gets to a door and BBA is right behind it and gets him in. And everyone's like, yeah, woo! (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I love the the cutaways from his freaking out scenes to the noise that's going on in the bar. Yeah. (laughs) And then he hugs BB-8 and I love that he does that. He hugs him for, for helping him and... Captain Doza approaches the First Order, and luckily Tora is there to say, oh, it's just my friend. Tora is a smart cookie. Yeah, she is. Because oh, she, sure. she really like came with a quick response there. No, he's my friend. He probably got lost. You know, he's just trying to get back. Yeah, trying to get back through the window. <laughs> <laughs> and my thing is here, she says that, and Doza just, you know, he knows she lied. Oh, yeah. 
You know, like <laughs> he, he knows was, he his was daughter that lied was, that she was covering yeah. for him. Yeah, so I, I don't think she'll get punished. Do you think she was punished <laughs> because she um, she's in her room? She's not really doing anything. And actually, no. when she since she was on her bed, she wasn't really reading or she doing may anything. get questioned. No, no. I, earlier, like I thought I thought she was personally I thought she was punished in her room. Oh, that she <laughs> no, no. She she sort of had that. I don't think that she is punished. I think that she is uh, very protective. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. The father funny. is very protective. So she doesn't get which will account for her reaction when he comes in because if she doesn't have a lot of interaction with other people because she's not allowed to be outside her room for whatever, you know, reasons, then she will develop that type of personality where, like, you know, she either will be the the kind that immediately will think, you don't like me, to the kind that immediately thinks, oh, you are in love with me, right, <laughs> you know? Right. I also find it interesting that out of the five pilots, she was not part of the escort. Court. So those are... Already knows that he doesn't want her. her. Yeah, he's overprotective yeah. of her. I mean, even though she she fought the pirates, but it's something specific. Like the the first order is a completely different and, thing. Yeah, I can see that being a butting of heads, and the fact that she has a Sabine poster on her wall, like that that symbolizes something. There has to be some history to that that comes with the poster. Yeah. So I don't think she is someone who will betray anyone. Um, by associating herself with the First Order. I think she's more of a resistance-type character. But there is someone, actually, who wrote into our email and brought up a fantastic point, which I'll read later. But, yeah, she seems more of, of the type that wants to do something against the First Order, whereas her father is more of, like, what can the First Order do for us? Yeah. And so I think that's going to cause a strain in their relationship. The last thing we see is Captain Doza looking at a uh, picture of Kaz, a screen screen cap of Kaz, and it's not the best picture of him. No, <laughs> his face is. But now, terror. like like Yeager uh, was afraid, now they're curious about him. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's what Yeager was all about. He's like, you need to keep a low cover yeah. because now it's gonna come back to him and the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. What, where do you think Yeager was? Um, no idea. Yeager was talking with the First Order, Mommy. That's the correct answer. <laughs> no. No, he probably was looking for parts or something, you know. Yeah, I can see him having a, a you know, garage, a TV set up somewhere where he watches sports or something. <laughs> and... Something I noticed online is that people always go to the and I and we've even mentioned it in past episodes that Kaz is very sheltered. He's lived a sheltered life. He has a more of a rich kid approach to things. When does that stop becoming a go to reason or like a, an excuse for for Kaz? Because after a while, it's overused. I don't think that his quote unquote sheltered life can be blamed for everything he's young he's still learning things and like all young people he's gonna make stupid choices it really doesn't have to do with whether he had money or has money or not whether he lived a shelter life or not and i don't think that he lived a shelter life as much as his father was always trying to give him everything right there's a little difference there you know when a parent is overbearing just 
trying to make everything good. We do know that Cass likes to be good on his own. He likes to be the great pilot on his own, not because daddy bought me the participation in the race or because daddy got me here, daddy got me there, but because he really wants to be good. So what his father does really does not affect him as much because he he already has a an idea of what he wants. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and we saw that with him racing. Now, um, of age. course, having money does, you know, make you a little bit live the cushy life or whatever you want to call it, you know? <laughs> so that I can compare with the moment where he's stuffing his face because he hasn't eaten. He doesn't have daddy's wallet to help him. But I think that most of the mistakes he's made and most of the assumptions he's gotten are more because of the fact that he has no experience. He's new in the game. He's quite green. Yes, he is. He's new, he's learning, he's young. So he's going to have all these things happen to him. I don't blame him coming where he's coming from as much as I put it on the fact that he's still learning. He's still young. Yeah, very much like Ezra and Ahsoka. Before we move on to the next topic, here's a brief ad. Do you like collecting autographs of some of your favorite Star Wars actors? Then you should check out Star Wars Authentics by Topps. They have a massive photograph collection that spans the saga, including Star Wars Resistance. To get a sneak preview of the new Star Wars Resistance photos every week, follow TWG site on Twitter and visit thewookiegunner.com. Happy shopping! And now, back to the show. Okay, so in listener thoughts and questions, Hope sent us an email and it's kind of long, but it's really good. So (laughs) so I'm going to go ahead and read it. So Hope said, hi there. I wanted to share a gripe and a theory I have for resistance when it comes to this episode. I wrote a blog about it over at geekygirlexperience.com, but I'll summarize it here. Kaz needs to apologize to his team. I like Kaz a lot but that doesn't mean I can't be critical of him. The fact that he comes from a place of privilege is an interesting side of the character we haven't quite seen in Star Wars, but there's something I've noticed about Kaz the last few episodes that really grinds me the wrong way. We've seen Kaz disregard Tam's feelings about hype and ignore her suggestions to prioritize his spy mission. Last week, he tricked Niku to escape his work. In the high tower, he gets mad at Niku for speaking to the First Order. While Kaz acted out, out of a place of fear, Niku believed he was helping his friends. His team even warned him about Rucklin, which he ignored. It almost cost him both his and Rucklin's life. For a few weeks now, Kaz has been treating his team pretty crappy, and he hasn't apologized to either Tam or Niku for his behavior. They seem to roll with it by letting him off the hook, but I think this is due to being a 22-minute show and not having time to address the issue. This could be because he is a senator's son. He might not have had to apologize for his mistakes before. He probably doesn't realize he's hurting people around him. I could see that, but I wouldn't blame that on the fact that he had money or that he's the son of a senator because I've seen that type of behavior on people who has less than me and I I have no money. So (laughs) that type of behavior is common. And if you do not catch it on time, it goes with you through your adulthood and as you age. Yeah, it's a lack of consideration of others. Exactly. And I've definitely seen that. I see that 
all the time. Actually, we all do it. <laughs> yeah. Because the other day I was passing through Fordham, which is a, a place nearby where we live. And I saw a one of the newer trash cans that say, uh, help keep New York City clean. Right next to the trash can are two trash bags that are open, overfilled, and garbage dumped all over the place. And the garbage itself was overstuffed. So it's like there's a lack of consideration and there are no consequences, immediate consequences to them personally. So they just move on because it doesn't affect them. So for Kaz, it's sort of I, I can see that being the case where it's like it's not affecting him personally. It's, he doesn't really see the consequences. So he just keeps on doing it. But then you see the reaction at the end of the episode. What did he do? He gives Nico back the comlink. The comlink. It's not an apology. It's not an apology because he doesn't see that he's being inconsiderate. Right. It is sort of him realizing what you do is not that bad. I can live with it. It's okay. Because, you know, we we could see it also from the other side. Nico can be a pain. (laughs) Come on. Like, really, you know, you you know what I'm saying? He doesn't have a filter. Filter, Exactly. And that filter can be inconsiderate behavior to others. Mm. You know, that's true. You know, you you have to, to take it both ways. In this case, I can actually see myself in both places. I can see myself seeing Nico is a pain in the tuki. (laughs) And I can see Cass being inconsiderate. Now, would I blame that on the fact that he comes from privilege? No. Because I have seen rudeness and inconsideration from people with money. And that's not Cass. His behavior is totally like, like I say, he is young and he's inexperienced. And he's still learning not only to do his job, but to become an adult, to become a grown up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And yeah, I did find that he was inconsiderate towards Tam's feelings. No, Tam, Tam uh, that that part I did saw a little bit of jerkiness going on there. Yeah, because like, he completely on. ignored yeah. her backstory. Y- you're not listening to what she's telling you. And I get that he had a mentality of, I need to get to the tower. tower. So yeah. he has a very one-track Track mind, mind. And he doesn't realize that what he says and does affects others. Yeah. And that's the part that he's going to have to learn. Yeah. How so, to balance. Uh, balance that. He's going to have to realize that his actions has consequences. Uh, yeah, he's definitely going to now so, that Captain yeah. Doza knows yeah. who he is or that like, he's going to find out who so he I, is. I, and that's not going to happen. See, we tend to come into these shows with ideas in our heads of characters fully defined. The whole purpose of the show is to develop the character. So you cannot have a fully defined character starting the show. You have to show him Progress. progressing and, and learning. And like I said, this is the fourth episode. Five for you, <laughs> press people. I was just going to say fifth. Press people. <laughs> but for the normal people out here, it is the fourth. So, so you know, and there's a lot of characters. So there's a lot of development that's going to have to take place. Yeah, I agree. 
Uh, and Hope also had a theory. So Hope said, my theory is that the First Order spy is Torah Doza. So this is what I was referring okay. to earlier. Hope said, we've been given many possible spies five episodes in. They blatantly said that Captain Doza openly works with the First Order. Griff Halloran may or may not be an ex-Imperial who could side with them. We saw he didn't aid the other ace pilots in protecting the station against pirates funded by the First Order. And I think this is all a bunch of red herrings, which <laughs> reminds me of uh, Fred from, from Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> red herring! <laughs> And I think the spy is going to be a person we least expect, which brings me to Tora. Tora is an incredibly nice person. We see that she's kind, she welcomes Kaz, and she encourages him as a racer, even when he's her competition. This, to me, could be her downfall. Yes. That she's nice to a fault. In the high tower, Captain Doza meets with Major Von Rick, who points out Doza has a past with the criminal underworld. Also, it's a normal occurrence to have the First Order at the station. While everyday people aren't aware of the evil bad guys, people on the station are in the outer rim closer to their activity. They're a constant in these people's lives. It normalizes the First Order to them. The station seems to have difficulty with fuel supply supplies and pirates. I get the feeling that Captain Doza isn't a bad person, but a person who has made bad business decisions that's landing him on hard times. Tora might be aware of these troubles. I don't think she's the first order spy for evil reasons, but as a means to help her father. She might not realize what they truly are just yet. She could see them as a means to aid everyone she cares for in supporting her home. This is my theory and I'm sticking to it. Thanks. Have a great day. And tell Ma I said hello. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hello. (laughs) I actually was going to mention earlier when we were talking about Tora and how she was quick to protect her, you know, um, the friend. Mm -hmm. And I was going to actually say that could be the problem. She could actually end up working for the First Order to get her father out of trouble. Mm. Because the one thing that I don't agree is, is that I don't think he is just a, a a good person who have made difficult choices. I think he actually does dealings for whatever reason with criminal undergrounds. Like I, I mentioned before, when when um what's his name, the red guy, and oh Major Von Rigg. uh mentioned that you know you can out me, but I'm gonna out you back. You know mm-hmm. now. Tora could definitely fall in a situation where she's pressured into doing something in order to get her father out of trouble. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Changes things up. Yeah. And and we've seen that kind of trait before. Uh, yeah. Ezra yeah. saw good in people that he was willing to trust and it backfired on him. Yep. Yeah. Maul and Hondo, but the Hondo yeah. came back and helped anyway. <laughs> but but still, you know, he he has it's a weakness. It's a strength and a weakness. It it helps you see the good in people, but you can't let it take advantage of you. Yeah. And I'm also curious about Tora's mom. Does she have a mom? Or do moms exist in Star Wars Resistance? <laughs> 
Ah, maybe the mom is not there anymore because they obviously are just the two of them in there. It looks like and he's very protective, and that that tends to be the case when a father is raising a daughter. It's frustrating because I could see a woman being in Captain Doza's role. Why couldn't that be a woman? The mother would be the one operating the station, and it's just like uh, it makes you want to like shake someone and say, "Hey, why couldn't you make this person a woman?" Just you know mother-daughter situation fantastic right there because the only other time we see it in animation is sabine and her her mom ursa i I don't know yeah i would have preferred it although i kind of like the idea if they were to ever do i mean i have a thing with live action where i just don't want to see certain characters become live action but if they ever did a captain doza live action i imagine edward james almost yes (laughs) yeah It's like, I love Edward James almost. And like, I would give anything to hug that man and and call him grandpa or something. (laughs) But I see him in that role. Like, I can see him in the little cap. (laughs) Uh, I went way off track with this conversation. (laughs) Back to listener questions and comments. Adjua said... Speaking of Star Trek references, <laughs> you two should just get into Yay, like a, <laughs> you guys should just get into a Star Trek podcast or something. <laughs> Speaking of Star Trek references, the Racers Lounge looks like the lounge in the USS Voyager, and they participated in a race with the Delta Flyer as well, with the various crowds looking out from, from that lounge. lounge. I really like how they're approaching the first order here. This is a calm before the storm. So there are a lot like the Nazis in Raiders of the Lost, Lost Ark, Ark yes. <laughs> prior to the events of World War II. I also like the class exclusivity on the platform. Sets up for a lot of real world discussions. Yeah. And yeah. I also put down that it reminds me, the class divisions reminds me of the Freemaker Adventures. They come from a station called The Wheel. And it has three wheels, essentially. And the uh, lower wheels are where the sketchy stuff happens. The middle wheel is where the shop, their mechanic shop, is located. And then the upper wheel is where the fancy people live. Like Wick Cooper, who is hilarious. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I really love that concept of these divisions and how it affects and brings real-world comparisons and discussions to the table. And so Matt said, I absolutely loved the Hightower. I went from kind of liking Niku, Kaz, and Tam to loving all three of them. All of Niku's lines about communicating whenever we so desire (laughs) had me cracking up. But I also love that it all came in handy and paid off during the spy caper section. I also enjoyed the bendy, squishy feel they gave Kaz during the action scenes. His arms are like Gumby arms. Yeah. (laughs) They are Gumby. <laughs> I actually felt really nervous for him when he's jumping across those chasms and dodging blaster fire, but was laughing at all the betting activity in the bar. I remember one of the things that first, when Star Wars Resistance was starting up, one of the things that I first heard in conversation was the stakes 
of the show that they were too low. The stakes weren't there. It didn't feel like there were too many high stakes. And I just, I'm so tired of that expression <laughs> by this point because people like to use it to say, oh, something isn't good because the stakes aren't high. And yeah, the stakes will build as we move on with the with the story. When I saw Kaz jumping over those chasms, yeah, he had a real potential of falling to his death. Just because we already know where this is going and that it's going to be overlapping with The Force Awakens, we don't know specifically what's happening to these characters. We don't know whether they're going to join the Resistance, whether they're going to die before the series even comes to an end, whether this or whether that, and that's what makes it interesting. And Matt continued to say, Learning about Tam and Hype's past was great. It seems clear that Tam's tough exterior has developed as a shield against the disappointments she's had in her career and friendships. And I have a feeling she will feel very betrayed when Kaz is revealed to be a spy. Yes. Yeah. Sadly. That, yes. And I don't think she's the only one. I think it's gonna it's gonna hurt Niku as well. You know, he wasn't honest because we already know no, yeah. how Niku reacts to somebody not being honest. Yeah, I'm going to ponder the I forget the your betrayal, betrayal. or something yeah. along that those yeah. lines. Uh, I also like that they gave hype a little more dimension than just the braggart ego monster. He's clearly got beef with the first order and regrets some of what went down with Tam. Finally, I'm so glad to see more of Tora. I thought it it was so funny when she pushed the boy out of her room so her father couldn't catch him. It was straight out of an old sitcom, except Cass could have fallen to his death, yeah. which is very true. Also, I wanted to let you know that your mother actually helped me get over something that was nagging me about the show and how incompetent Cass seemed. She reminded me that none of us were as cool and smart as we think we are, especially in our 20s. I also think Kaz is a different kind of hero than we've seen before. He's not particularly aggressive and doesn't try to solve his problems with violence, which is a little unusual for an action-adventure TV show. In this day and age, I think that's a good thing. Look Thank at that, mommy. You, you helped. Aww, you, that makes me feel so You warm. helped change someone's perspective. Yeah, you know, I said it before, we don't like seeing ourselves in that way, but we were <laughs> that way. <laughs> exactly, you know? yeah. When we were 20, oh man. And last but not least, Brandon said, Hi, John and Marie and Ma. I, I, I kind of heard Niku saying that. <laughs> Hi, John and Marie and Ma. One of the things I've loved the most about Resistance so far is BB-8, especially the moment in this episode where Kaz fakes that BB-8 is low on battery, and then BB-8 plays along and basically faints on the spot. What are your favorite BB-8 bits so far in Resistance? Do you feel that BB-8 in Resistance is consistent with BB-8 in the movies? I do. And what do you think BB-8 brings to the show that's either similar to two or different from droids in other Star Wars animated shows like Chopper and R2-D2. Love the show and keep up the great work. Thank, oh, thank you. you. I'm glad you're enjoying. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, so so um, to me, I think BBA is the same as in the movies. Yeah, I agree. He, he is quick to help. You know, to help. He is there. He, he will provide the information. He will provide the support and he will guide you. And um, that's exactly what he's doing with, with Cass. I, I think they both are one and the same. It, there's no difference. As far as the best moments so far, the fainting the has fainting to be was really with, great. Yeah, like, come on. You, you. Yeah. I also loved when BB-8 picked up the comm link. 
in the triple dark when he picked up the comm link from between the crack because Cass oh, was yeah, reaching Kurt, for it. Cass was trying and, and he just sort of like dropped the thing and said, hey, you know, Here I, I'm more than just a pretty thing, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, and Cass is like, why didn't you tell me you could do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's another favorite moment of mine. And and compared to R2-D2 and Chopper and other droids, each one has their own oh, unique, unique way personality. And, yes. and I love that because... K2SO in Rogue One was so dry and sarcastic and it's different from the sarcastic that Chopper has in Star Wars Rebels because you then still see him care and and be sort of like R2 but still have his own Chopper flair to it and R2 is just he's just the family dog yeah you know he's just so lovable you want to hug him and and I think BB-8 is like that too but I think BB-8 is 60% R2 40% Chopper you know a combination like that 60 40 65 35 Chopper and R2. Right. I And I would say R2-D2 is more of like the golden retriever. Two. Yeah. And BBA is more of a, a little pug. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. super adorable. Yeah. Still, still huggable, but just miniature. St- and still a dog that, that has the traits of, of loyalty, loyalty and, yeah. you know, following orders and whatnot, but with different attributes. Yeah, yeah. And BB-8 still, for me, BB-8 comes off as really new. Yeah. I know Poe has had him for a while, but he he seems much younger compared to R2 and Chopper and K2SO. They come off more as... We've been around for a while. while. Sit yeah. back and we'll take over. <laughs> yeah. Whereas yeah. BB-8 is still the youngin'. He's the, yeah. the little baby. That's the way I think about him. And so that's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we'll be talking about the children of Tehar, which reminds me of a Stargate planet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. Like the, the word Tehar seems like something where gold would be taking over and... <laughs> You know, the god of Tehar. (laughs) It just gave me Stargate vibes. And if you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, please share them by emailing geekybubblepod at gmail.com. And in the meantime, visit thewookiegunner.com for news, reviews, and opinion pieces pertaining to the Star Wars animated shows. And follow TWG on Twitter by searching for the handle TWG site. Ma, where can people find you on the interwebs? At Hoobian214. And now this is our chance to talk about Doctor Who. Who? This was the spider episode. Yes. And it was creepy. Yes. (laughs) Um, Although sad. The part I loved the most, believe it or not, was the interaction of this American realtor. Oh, evil. Very Trump-like. Yeah. (laughs) But But he doesn't like Trump. No. I love that he said, please don't say that name. name. And I love when she called him, is he Ed Sheeran? Oh, is he Ed Sheeran? That's right. I forgot about the Ed Sheeran part. And then that Ed Sheeran was running for president. That was hilarious. That was awesome. Yeah. Overall, and, it was an awesome episode. And But um, I liked the episode because in a very fantastical way, it brings to the forefront all the issues that we're facing. Oh, Yeah. Greedy people trying to get into power, lying, doing whatever they need to do to get that power. Pollution, 
how it interacts and destroys our environment nature. and nature and how then in turn nature comes and destroys us because of how pollution changes it, which is climate change, which is the problems we're having with these big storms and all these issues that, that, that we're having to deal with. And the fact that um, this lab that was experimenting on spiders, they're basically part of the problem. Because and yes, they, and, 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 we, and we know and because I of hope waste. that we know that there are hundreds, if not thousands or more of this little labs and even big labs dealing with the most horrible things that could escape those labs and probably bring the end to humanity. And we we know they're there. We know they exist. And we do absolutely nothing. Again, we, it's out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. Yeah. So I love that in that very fantastical way, giant spiders, it you know. all of those. It's just brought you all of that together and I also i really like the end it solidified that this is the team, team. this yeah. is team tardis yes <laughs> yes <laughs> so yeah awesome episode but anyway uh listeners can also find geeky bubble on twitter by searching for at geeky bubble pod and they can also find me at blue jake eyes last but certainly not least if you haven't done so already please follow our podcast network on twitter by searching for we are escape pods and tune into unmistakably star wars and sky talkers podcast for more star wars news and discussion and may the force be with you always <laughs> <laughs>